0: I've just been listening to God after the kind of last month or so, and I just get this strong impression that God wants a meek church. He wants a meek church. He's saying it over and over. In fact, I tried to avoid preaching on meekness because I thought, God, it's not a very punchy subject. You know, give me something really good, but meekness it was. And uh, the more I've explored it, the more excited I've got about um being a meek person, and um, what God what God does with meek people. So I know that it's important to him, and I know it's important because of this. So um, in Matthew chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow. Right. That's a big promise, isn't it? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the whole earth. <laughs> so meekness is something that is really important to God, Um, and so it should be to us as well. We should be teaching our children to be meek. We should be encouraging each other in meekness. Um, Whether we realize it or not, the world is shouting different um, wisdom at us, and often we hear, you know, be brave, be fit, be intelligent, and they're the people that get ahead in the world, and all those things are wonderful, but actually God's priorities and God's um, emphasis here, he chose the word meek, So if we're surprised that God chose the word meek in this passage, then the Jews that were listening would have been even more surprised. You see, when Jesus was preaching to the Jews, they thought that, um, well, they were currently under Roman occupation. And they believed that the land or the earth, as Jesus was talking about, was Israel. And they thought that that belonged to them because they were the under the bloodline of Abraham. So when, when Jesus said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, the Jews probably thought, what? I thought it was us. <laughs> Who are these meek people? It's alright, they're probably not much of a threat. Um, but the Romans that were listening were probably thinking, what? We've, we've already conquered the land. The aggressive take the land. So that's us. We've got the land. Um, it's not until later that really we see this term, the earth, really being expanded to beyond Israel. And um, so what I really want to do today is talk about what meekness is, um, what Jesus was talking about when he meant um, inheriting the earth and try and kind of tease out how we can um, grow in meekness and in love with one another. So firstly, we have to decide what meekness is. So this is the images that first went through my mind, my untacted mind, when I thought of what meekness is. So... um, piglet character you know piglet he's very timid he's a little bit nervous he's a bit unsure um and quite often with meek people we think oh meek is somebody that's you know just a bit nervous or can't quite stand up for themselves um we associate meekness with weakness um we often think that the meek are are a bit like a doormat actually they're quite easy to enforce your opinions on they're people that don't really you know stand up for their convictions and um the meek will inherit the earth, if it's okay with you. <laughs> kind of the impression that they're they're somehow inferior or easy to push over. And um, the thing is about these images is that this can't be what Jesus was talking about when he said, blessed are the meek. Because Jesus wasn't like that, was he? He wasn't nervous or um, easily pushed over. In fact, he had very strong opinions um, and stuck to them, as we'll see later. Um So this really can't be what meekness is. And that doesn't fit in with our culture at Eastgate either. You know, we're into the business of training people to be powerful and free. And, um, you know, we don't want to encourage you to be like this. So before you worry about a sermon on meekness, I'm not aiming for you to become like that. And in fact, I want to detach meekness from a personality type, because quite often people think meekness is a personality. And, you know, I couldn't possibly be meek because I'm really extrovert and I love going to parties. And, you know, I just laugh out loud and uh, no one's ever described me as meek. Well, hopefully you'll see today that everybody, all Christians can grow in meekness. It's not a personality type and it's something that God longs for in your life. So what is meekness? If um, our modern English language doesn't quite translate the word meekness properly we have to go back to the original to when jesus was saying blessed are the meek what did it mean in his day so um the word meek in ancient greek is praos which is up here praos interestingly the ancient greek word for gentle is praus. so they're very similar praos and praus, gentle and meek And actually, you often find them interchanged for one another in different verses, um, because there is a similarity. So there's this real overlap with gentleness for meekness, but actually it's quite distinct as well. And um, I was reading Strong's Concordance, and he said it's one of the hardest words of the Bible to translate praos. Um, But many clever scholars have come together, and um, there's general agreement that praos in this context means harnessed strength. Harness strength. So meekness means harness strength. So it's not so much weakness, but rather um, strength under control. And the best way of describing this is, is it, are there any horsey people here? Anybody like riding? No, I'm not really horsey either. Susie at the back, she likes horses. <laughs> so there's a big difference between a wild horse and a tame horse. So quite often we're used to tame horses. In the culture of Jesus, they would get a wild horse from the mountains. And wild horses, very skittish, they're very powerful, very strong. But they haven't got harnessed strength. You see, when you tame a horse, you train it and you discipline it to do different things. So you can train a horse to ride into battle. You can train it to um, gallop at 35 miles an hour and then stop it with just a nudge of your leg. It disciplines. It's disciplined. But a wild horse, it can't control its strength. And actually, it's not very useful. It's not as useful as a tamed horse. So um, they used to, the ancient Greeks used to use the word praos to, to describe a meeked horse. So when it was tamed, they would describe it as meeked. It's a nice image. And um, I was trying to think of an example in the Bible, other than Jesus, who we'll come on to in a minute, of um, somebody that really displayed this kind of harnessed strength. And the person that I thought of was um, the Roman centurion, which isn't necessarily the kind of person that you would associate with being meek. He was a very tough person of his day. Roman centurions, by nature, had to be soldiers. They were on the front line. They were used to conquering, taking land. And they were in charge of a couple of hundred different people. Um, so the Roman centurion was used to giving orders. And um, when we see him in the Bible... His, we hear that his servant is unwell at home. He's got a servant boy and he's sick. And he hears about Jesus and he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my servant is sick. Please, can you, please would you heal him? And Jesus says, sure, sure you know, I'll, come, I'll come to your house. I'll heal your boy. Because you know, Jesus never said no to anybody that wanted to be healed of sickness. And um, the Roman centurion, we hear him say, no, no, don't, don't come to my house. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Jesus is amazed at his faith. But actually, that Roman centurion, in that time and in that day, he was the powerful one. He could have got his sword, he could have put it to Jesus' face and said, you come in with me, you're going to come and heal my servant because I say so. (laughs) Because I've got a sword and you haven't. But actually, his strength was harnessed. He didn't kind of take Jesus by... and it's because of his great faith and I've noticed this correlation in the Bible and in life as well between people with great meekness and meek behavior and people that have got amazing faith because actually the root of meekness is amazing faith you'll find that actually you can't be a meek person without this great faith it's something else if you don't have great faith it's not meekness it's something else we'll look at that later um And so, in a minute, we're going to look through different characteristics of meek people. And when we're going through, rather than thinking, oh gosh, that's not like me. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I completely fly off the handle in these situations. I want you to think about, if you struggle with any of these characteristics, rather than just trying to get better at them and become obedient, the best way to become meek actually is through faith and through trusting in God. Um, So just bear that in mind. I had this image of faith and obedience like like two pedals of the bike. And they work together to propel you forward in meekness. And if you just take um, obedience, for example, if you just try and become meek, it's going to be really hard work and you won't be able to do it. It's what we call working under the law. And if you just have faith, but actually you don't obey, you're not going to get very far either. So we need to remember faith and obedience together. Um, it's this lovely verse in Zephaniah 2, 3. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the land, you who do what he commands. So Obedience isn't very popular in our culture, but meek people are obedient people. They're people full of faith, and they're people that obey. And actually, when you get that combination together, meek people, whoo, they do. They inherit the earth. They change the face of the earth right so when jesus said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth he was actually pinching it from um psalm 37 so psalm 37 um we often know the famous part of it is verse 4 you You've probably heard it quoted take delight in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart um but at the bottom of the psalm in in verse 11 it says the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity he wants peace and prosperity Yes, please. (laughs) And the psalm really, it describes a group of people and at the end it says that they're meek. So I want to look through the psalm with you and then we're going to pull out different things from that psalm that are characteristics of meek people. And then we're going to look at it together and see if we can get a better portrait of meekness rather than the piglet picture and, and, you know, those kind of things. So let's read this together. Do not fret because of those who do evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the sun, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still and wait for the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. It's a beautiful psalm. Okay, so let's pull out some things. Verse 3 in that psalm. If you've got it in front of you, do have it in front of you so you know that I'm not making this up. So verse 3 in Psalm 37 says they trust in the Lord. So like we said, with faith, the absolute starter for meekness is that you trust in the Lord. And, you know, trusting sometimes is taking a step and going to block A and you don't know what block B is going to be. So it's an exciting way to live. It can feel nerve-wracking, but it's the best way to live, trusting in the Lord. Um, In verse 4, it says that they delight in him. They're full of joy. You know, meek people, they're not cowards, they're not nervous. They're full of joy. If you want to know what a meek person looks like, if it's somebody that's always complaining or if things are always a duty for them, that's not meekness. They delight in him because they know and they trust him. In verse 5, it says that they put their faith in him regardless of those around them and they commit to him in obedience. I love this one. I'm going to read it again. They put their faith in him regardless of those around them That's what they're encouraged to do. Put their faith in him regardless of those around them and they commit to him in obedience. Meek people can look really, really stubborn, actually. (laughs) Because when they hear from God and they know something, they lock eyes with him and anything that everybody else says, actually, is not going to sway them. They're very, very stubborn. I don't know if um, your parents ever told you this, but the... um, The whole proverb, um, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, you just do what you're meant to do. You just do what's right. It doesn't matter about anybody else, you just do what you're doing. And actually, it's not that bad advice. Because meek people actually, it doesn't matter what other people are saying. to That's wrong. It does matter what other people are saying. But God's voice always trumps everything else. And so they're steadfast and they set their gaze on him. Um, when I was chatting to, a, uh, there's a, a, a youth that I know that's really passionate and full of love of Jesus. And I was asking her parents, you know, how did you nurture this in her life? What what are the kind of keys in um, helping them in their relationship with God? And they said, you know, I think we just always taught her to be an individual, that you're you. you. You're not like anybody else and don't try to be. Just what God's given you, you just... You just do that. You just go that way. What God's told you to do, um, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You do what God's called you to do, and that's what meek people are like. Verse 7. Meek people are quiet and still before the Lord, and they wait patiently for him. This is a hard one, right? (laughs) They're quiet and still before the Lord, and they wait patiently for him. See, meek people have this sort of quiet steadiness about their lives. And they have it because they know God's omnipotent. They know he's everywhere. They know he's in control. And they're not going to freak out. (laughs) It doesn't mean... Because actually, when when they're quiet and still before the Lord, it can look like they're not doing anything. You think, aren't you bothered about this situation? And they're just quiet and still. And, And actually, it's not that they're doing nothing... It's that they're steadfastly holding on to this faith that they've got in God because He said something and they're believing it. It's proactive. It's not lazy. Meek people aren't lazy at all or passive. In fact, it takes a lot of strength to put your faith in God and it takes a lot of strength to stay quiet and still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Verse 8. Meek people refrain from anger and worry and they maintain an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective is is really important. (laughs) If you have an eternal perspective, you won't be as tempted to take justice into your hands and get really angry with somebody. If you have this eternal, eternal perspective and this faith in God that he is omnipotent, that he is working in your life, then actually you're going to be far less worried about things. Because you've got this great faith. John Piper says that the meek take criticism without lashing back or being defensive. They're secure in him. And people like that, meek people, they're a real joy to be around. I love being around meek people. And it's really powerful, actually, when you see meekness in somebody's life and when other people who aren't in the church see your life and you're walking in meekness, it's really powerful. It's a high standard. So, does this look a little bit more like Jesus, this portrait of meekness? Well, I want you to think about... Oh, missed one. They're full of hope in God. There you go. Full of hope in God. So meek people are hopeful. They don't despair because they maintain that eternal perspective. I want you to think about now Jesus at one of the hardest points of his life, so the end few days of his life, when he was under the most pressure, when things were the hardest for him. And we're going to go through each of these and we're going to think, hmm, was Jesus like that? So did Jesus in in those final days going towards the cross, did he trust God? Yeah, he did. So he said, Father, thy will be done. He trusted God's will over what he was feeling. Did he delight in him? Where it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He delighted in God's will more than what he was feeling. Um, putting his faith in God, did Jesus put his faith in God regardless of those around him? Yes, he did. One of my favorite stories. So do you remember when Peter um, is talking to Jesus and Jesus is saying everything that's going to happen to him? And um, Peter said, no, no, Lord, no! I'm never going to let that happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Whew. Jesus was stubbornly set on God's will for his life, wasn't he? And it's great to know that somebody that's meek can drop a bomb like that. <laughs> you think, actually, that's encouraging. <laughs> was Jesus quiet and still before the Lord? In Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus in his last hours, and it's quoted later on in Matthew. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He didn't complain once. When people were spitting at him, when people were lashing him, when he was in so much pain... He didn't, he didn't resort to anger. He didn't resort to worry. In fact, the amazing thing is, he maintained that eternal perspective so that when he was hanging on the cross, when the thief next to him said, Jesus, remember me, he didn't lash out in anger or worry. He lashed out in forgiveness. (laughs) And he said, today you'll see me in paradise. That's an eternal perspective. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Jesus did, didn't he? He inherited the whole earth through his meekness. You think, he couldn't have done it any other way. He couldn't have gained the earth by being aggressive. He couldn't have gained it by calling legions of angels to help him. And he could have. He could have done that. But this was the way that God chose. And Jesus walked in such meekness and such humility. It's the most wonderful example for us. And I do wonder, you know, when Jesus said the Beatitudes, when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, I wondered if he knew the gravity of that situation and what that would mean in his life. You know, I really believe that Jesus never said anything flippantly. You know, he didn't say that Beatitude just to encourage people that were a bit timid. You know, oh, you're blessed, you're going to inherit the earth, it's okay. You may think like you're not winning at the moment, but it's all right. No, Jesus was talking about something far greater. So that when the time came, when he was put to trial, when he was being punished for something he didn't do, actually he knew what it was to be meek, and he knew the importance of meekness to his father and completely submitted to him. He was not hypocritical at all. I love this quote. It says, Meekness is strength in gentleness. It avoids unnecessary harshness. Yet, without being compromising or being too slow to use necessary force, it is temperate. I'm going to read that one again. So meekness is strength in gentleness. It avoids unnecessary harshness. Yet without compromising or being too slow to use necessary force, it is temperate. You know, timidity is the counterfeit of meekness. So when you're timid, you're too frightened to use force. You're too frightened to confront because the root of timidity is fear. But when you're a meek person, you may feel frightened but that your root is faith. And so when you face a situation that needs confronting, you don't run away. Actually, it's really important that we know that meek people aren't passive people, and they're not timid people. They're people that are set forward in faith and obedience. And um, yeah, Timidity is a, is a poor counterfeit of meekness. We're not to be a timid people, but we are to be meek. And meekness sometimes means taking a stand when nobody else will. Does anybody know who this lady is in the picture? Rosa Parks. It is Rosa Parks, one of my heroes. And um, Rosa Parks grew up in Montgomery, yeah, Montgomery, I think it is, in Alabama, anyway. And um, when she was in her prime years, her working years, in her 40s, in in the 1950s in Alabama there were segregation laws on transportation, which meant that when she got a bus, the bus was separated into black and white, so they couldn't sit together. And quite often, the first on this particular bus line that she used to get, the first four rows were reserved for white people, and black people couldn't sit there. In fact, if a black pe- person wanted to come onto the bus, they would have to go and get their ticket from the bus driver step off the bus, they couldn't walk through the white people to their seat, step off the bus, go round to the back through the back door and then they were able to sit down. And not only that, but there was a movable barrier so after the four rows there was a barrier and if more white people got on, the barrier could be picked up by the bus driver and moved back and put, you know after row six or something like that and allowing more white people to sit on. So When Rosa Parks in 1955 got onto the bus, um, she was sitting in about row six, and more white people got on, and the bus driver came up to her and said, you need to move, and he moved the barrier, and she refused to move. This is what it says in her autobiography. When that white driver stepped back towards us, when he waved his hand and ordered us up out of our seats, I felt a determination cover my body like a quilt on a winter night. People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was not tired physically, or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me being old then. I was 42. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. If something niggles with you, if something niggles with you and you see an injustice, sometimes that niggle is God talking to you about, you should be doing something here. It's not always left to somebody else to do. Sometimes God uses those things to irritate you, to step out. And just like Rosa, felt like that blanket, that determination... She refused to get off her seat on that day. Interestingly, 12 years earlier, she was on the bus with the same bus driver that she had in 1955. And um, she got on the bus and bought her ticket, went to walk through the bus, which she legally wasn't allowed to do. She should have got off and out and round to the back. And the bus driver said, no, 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 off you go. You need to go round to the other door. She got off the bus and the bus driver drove off without her. And she said my my petitioning didn't begin in nineteen fifty five, so that I did a lot of walking in Montgomery. She did a lot of walking. So it wasn't a sudden thing. When she was arrested in nineteen fifty five and she refused to give up her seat, a police officer arrested her. As the officer took her away, she recalled that she asked him, Why do you push us around? And she remembered him saying I don't know, but the law is the law, and you're under arrest. See, that's timidity, or passivity at its best, that policeman. That wasn't brave behaviour, although he looked more brave by being the powerful one arresting. She was the one, actually, that was walking in faith and meekness. And amazingly, her actions, a year later, the segregation laws were deemed unconstitutional, and um, the whole law changed which meant that black and white people could sit together on the bus so this is her on the bus with a reporter just behind her in 1956 actually she wasn't the first person to get arrested for sitting on a bus and um, refusing to move from her seat for white people other people had been arrested but Historians seem to think that this one made such a difference because she was a really well-respected person in the community and she did it with such gentleness and grace. She, she, you know, It really set off people writing for the next, not writing, but boycotting the bus and lots of rallies and things for the next year and within a year it had changed. So her act, her meek act, changed the world. This is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. This is 1 Timothy 1 verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. God's heart for you is not that you're timid. I chose a picture here of um, a tree covered in ivy because for me, timidity, it kind of feels like strangling. You know, timidity is when you're so frightened of what other people think You're so frightened that things are going to go wrong, that you don't move forward in faith. And um, I just really believe tonight that there's people here that struggle with timidity. And I really identify with that because I've struggled with timidity in the past and it is strangling. But God wants to offer you freedom from it. He doesn't want it to dictate your life. And actually, your timidity, it affects people around you as well. It's not just you, but other people won't be able to benefit from your giftings. And your callings from God if you remain in timidity. So, um, in a little bit, I'm gonna, um, ask you just to raise your hand if you want prayer. But in Acts 1, it talks about when the Holy Spirit comes. And it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's power. So I believe that Holy Spirit's here this evening, and I believe that He acts in power. And in Acts 4, it says that when the Spirit came on the disciples, they were filled with boldness. And that's my testimony, like, I, I used to be really timid and really shy, and um, when the Spirit of God comes on you, you just receive this supernatural boldness, and I'd love, I'd love people to walk away this evening in, in freedom from timidity, because you may have thought that meekness was about being, um, you know, caring or not having strong opinions, because sometimes that's what the church has taught in the past, oh, just be meek, you know, just sit down. <laughs> It's not what God wants from you at all. Um, we want authentic meekness. So, um Chris Spring, you're here. You're here. Your t-shirt, Chris, I thought was prophetic this evening. You've got a Superman t-shirt on. <laughs> and I felt like God just saying, when you play music, um, God comes and gives people strength. So I wondered if you would mind just coming up and playing a bit of piano. So I know this is a bit, a bit brave of me doing an altar call for people that are timid. But, um <laughs> bit ironic. But if if anything that I've said has resonated with you, if you just want prayer in that area, you're not sure if you're timid or not, and you just want prayer, that you can be bolder in um, where God has placed you, would you just stand up? And then I'm going to ask people that are spirit-filled believers, so that should be lots of you, I recognise lots of faces. I'd like you just to go around and um, lay your hands on these lovely folk. And um, I just see God breaking off, breaking off that ivy from you, that kind of suffocating fear. He's going to take it away. So just pray for the Spirit of God to come see what he says. Keep it simple.